Hey everybody, welcome back to Epic Tiki's Take, the podcast. I'm Luke Soyan, and with me today is... Jojo Lewis, hello. Yeah, and Happy New Year in yeah, February. it's been a while. Yeah, December 22nd was the last time we recorded an episode, and... Uh, that, was two, that was two days before the Christmas day. Three days. Three days before the Christmas day. Yeah, craziness. What did we... I think that was the one with Eric Krasner, right? Yeah, I believe so. That was, was a good the, time. Uh, Fantastic Beasts pod we did? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm probably wrong. There's probably one other one. The Gilmore Girls also. Yeah. Well, we did that one first and then the other one. Had a long day. Yes. That was a good time, though. That was fun. I got to check out for that first one because I didn't know anything about them Gilmore Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we wanted to we, – we might – we're thinking about adding a thing uh, at the beginning where we just talk about what we've been doing. And we might even do some episodes coming up uh, where we don't really talk about anything nerdy necessarily just because uh, not all of our guests are into that and we want to have people on that – don't care about Star Wars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So that's always nice. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Have you done anything cool stand-up wise or life-wise you want to expound on? Just lately, I've been just uh, trying to put together a Let's Play channel. Yeah, that's my major. That's been like my major project for the past two months, which has been. Do you want to reveal the name of it? Jojo has fun. Yeah, that's just gonna be the name. Is Jojo has fun, and uh, I've done. I can't. I'm not going to start releasing it until I have enough to cover like three weeks. Uh huh. Which in Let's Play time, that's 14, 20, 30, 42 episodes. 42 12 minute episodes. What do you. Wait, through. How many. Do you put one out every day? Two a day. Wow. You do two a day. If you want to. If you're serious about a Let's Play channel, you do two a day. Where, so how did you determine that? Like based on every I other looked, channel? I looked, I looked at popular channels and I looked up how YouTube's algorithm works. Oh, okay. YouTube's algorithm works like um, if you want people to find your channel organically. So, like, say you type in, like, Let's Play. Yeah. It will not take you to the most recent video. It'll take you to a channel that you are more likely to go back to. Mm-hmm. Which means that... Um, like there's new content all the time. Yeah. So, popular Let's Play channels or popular channels on YouTube are pretty much ones that can put out something daily. Yeah. And for the most part, a lot of channels can't handle that. Um, Let's Plays are unique in that they can. Like, it's not hard to. It's actually, like, not really that hard to make a Let's Play. Well, and you're having so much fun while you do it because not only are you playing a cool video game, but you're ideally joking around and. That's Hanging a, out with a pal. You, th- you think that, but <laughs> I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm being honest. Like the the channel that I really like, they're called the Game Grumps. Mm-hmm. They'll do seven episodes in a session of about twelve minutes each. And yeah. I always wondered why that was, and then I realized, like, oh, uh, an hour and a half is a really long time to be like on, even if you're just playing a game. Yeah. Well. A lot of people podcast for that long and they're on most of the time of that, you know. It's different though when you're like, "Oh, I have to be paying it." It's like you can't like not you can't like not pay attention. Yeah, that's true. It's pretty it's like it's really And you're also when you're doing a podcast, it's like one-on-one, you're only doing the one thing of talking. Yeah. And when you're doing a let's play, you're also playing the video game. So you kind of have to like be able to yeah. jump out and have a joke, yeah, but so also be into the game and play it well. And so it's like you're playing and you're paying attention and then you have to keep an eye on like, oh, I hope the recording's doing well. And I played the whole game with the monitor, like with this on so I could only kind of hear the game. Your headphones, yeah. Yeah, because I had to hear the, make sure the levels were all good. And, uh-huh. But. So then you didn't hear the game at all, really? I heard, I mean, I heard, I had it turned up really loud. But you can also like 
do one ear on, one ear off, right? That just gets me dizzy. Oh, really? Yeah, so like I, I had the whole thing. <laughs> I was able to hear it, but I was like, oh, I'm, this is a, this is not a fun way to... I, I played the game before, and I was like, I'm missing a lot of stuff that I can't hear because I have these on. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah. especially if you were playing Until Dawn. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, Let's Play is when you play a video game, you record the video game, and you're talking, or you might film yourself if you don't have to. Yeah, it's kind of like, they they range from, like, some of them are, edu- like, here's how to do something. Uh-huh. Some of them are, like, here's how to, uh, here's how to do, here's how, here's someone who's really good at the game. Yeah. Here's a speed run, or here's, yeah. yeah. Or, or, like, here's different, you know, walkthroughs. Some of them have no people talking over it. Yeah. Um... Some of them are just being silly. Some like, of them, some of them are being silly. Like what we've done on our channel, youtube.com slash epic tiki comedy. Go yeah. check it out. Yeah. Uh, um But yeah, so like we'll do we did twelve episodes and by like episode ten we were exhausted. Really, yeah. But we did two more. But yeah, it's I mean like it's a lot of work, but it's actually kinda of delightful. And like the the editing part of it's not super tough. No, it's not. It's really not. And I've been lazy, like, because I we have Dead Space episodes to put out. And I just put up one on Facebook. Yeah. So it was like the cliffhanger one. I don't know if anyone cared. We had like 100 people watch it. So Yeah. And then again, like a view on Facebook, I think, is about three seconds. I think that's what they count. A view, a view on Facebook is like, it's not worth a lot. No. It's just, I mean, because the, the way Facebook works is all fucking weird. Facebook is garbage. Yeah, it's not a good platform. No. It's anything. The only thing I like is that when you post a video through Facebook... On the feed, it starts playing, so at the very least, you get, like, someone can be scrolling and see something they might want to hear, and then they can click on the video. It's a little bit more eye-catching than just, like, a thumbnail. Yeah, but they don't they don't count clicks or anything, so it's kind of like, oh, that's sort of fucked up. Yeah, I feel like they count views as someone scrolled and then stopped for a second and then kept scrolling. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it's unfortunate. Very good algorithm. But, yeah, you, Facebook is just weird... Just because you have to upload the video to Facebook. Yeah. Which is like, well, all right. I mean. There's it, no ads you can get money from no, like on YouTube. It, it's like uploading it to Facebook is like, well, I'm going to just put this out for no tangible benefit. Yeah, except <laughs> that someone might see it and then hopefully they go to the YouTube channel or hopefully. that's a, uh, Yeah, but that's almost like I'm going to put this billboard from my, from my record store on a freeway in another town. Yeah, and then hope that they drive to your town. Which yeah, that's they, why would they so do that? stupid. Like it's like Facebook is really dumb with its whole video thing. Yeah, you'd think it would just work with YouTube, but anyway. Yeah, it's, no. Well, that would be. They, I mean, YouTube is owned by Google, and Facebook and Google are separate. Yeah, but I mean, like, there's no reason. There really is no reason that YouTube can't be integrated with Facebook easily. Yeah. Well, Facebook's just shitty. Like they don't I've heard from people that uh if you post a link on a YouTube video, they will sort of actively keep it down compared to like another video. Yeah. Like a Facebook video. Theirs, yeah. So if if you're trying to post your stuff and be like, "Hey, check this out." Like no one's seeing it because Yeah. They suck. Um, yeah, it's just it's a shitty thing. But Yeah. But you were playing until dawn and I was mm-hmm. saying you you get dizzy, but it, yeah, it kind of sucks to play a game like that because with your headphones on because there's a lot of cool sounds and probably like leaves crunching or yeah, I don't know, whatever it's little a pretty, things. It's a very rich game. But at the yeah. same time, it's like, you know, it's fun like trying to like telling jokes and talking about what's happening in the game and trying yeah. to talk over it. 
you know to stuff. I had, I mean, we had tons of fun playing Dead Space. Yeah. So if you guys, yeah, really go check it out. It's like another podcast. If you're enjoying this, <laughs> watch. You know, we're the same thing, but we're a little bit more On funny edge and scared. Yeah, we we in the first episode we got the we title were, scared us. Yeah, it was a scary game, Dead Space. Like, it was, I don't know why. It's so <laughs> scary. It's not scary as in I'm not going to sleep freaking out about it. It's just when you're playing, you turn around and there's like a monster yeah, with his they, arms in the air. I remember one time I played the scariest thing that happened. I was, I was playing. It was totally quiet. And I just see a claw just come into frame. <laughs> Because it was like the camera was behind me, but I, but it was the monster was coming from like where from behind where the camera was. So he was the cameraman. Yeah, and I was like, ah, <laughs> that was a good time. You're like Jerry, yeah, so keep your up. claws to yourself. I'm gonna talk to HR about this. I yeah, what was I gonna say? Um, the scariest thing that ever happened to me in a game though was I was playing the original Bioshock, and I reached out for um, it wasn't pla- plasmid. Is that what they're called? Yeah. It was either a plasmid or some other thing that increased something, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" And I, I was in this weird room toward like the last third of the game, like the beginning of the last third, something like that. And I reached out to grab it, and then the only time in the entire game this happened—I don't know if it was on purpose or a glitch or what—but I grabbed it, and then I suddenly lost control of the character, uh-huh. and the game just made me do a 180 for no reason, and there was a guy like right in my face. Yeah, it's the game. And I was just, it was the only time. It was like someone put this weird Easter egg to creep you out, to really unsettle you, because it never happens any other time. Bioshock was a, it's a good game, but I always wondered, like... A landmark game. <laughs> yeah, it was okay. I, I think, um... I had lots of fun. It was sort of like, I didn't know, is this trying to be an action game, or is this trying to be, like, a horror game? Like, it couldn't decide. Well, it's both. I mean, yeah, but it does I mean, it kind of barely delivers on either front. You're such a curmudgeon about video games. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a good. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm saying that like standards are so high. W- well, the whole game is predicated on a very like simple. It's it, it's sort of like someone took an intro to philosophy paper and built a really cool game engine around it. Because the whole premise of that game is what happens when. When we have capitalism with no rules whatsoever, and it's like, oh, this, excellent. Yeah. There's also a weird, uh, like, uh, what's it called, Um, um, free will thing, because you realize, I mean, spoiler, can we spoil Bioshock? Yeah. Spoiler alert, click ahead a few seconds if you're worried about it. If you haven't played a game that came out um, at this point almost 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler alert, uh, the guy on the other side of the radio helping you is the bad guy and every time he he's like directing you he's actually commanding you because for some reason you're like you your DNA a, you have a psychological trigger that yeah so every time he says would you kindly you have to do what they say yeah and it, it wasn't it he programmed you somehow i forget exactly you were just genetically engineered and psychologically conditioned that's the that's the premise like you're supposed to be i think it was like you're supposed to be Andrew Ryan's son Mm-hmm. But I think also, like, oh, you're also a big daddy. I think that's also a part of it. Well, you turn into one throughout the, like, you get all the gear and you become one. Well, no, sort of. I, I think, like, the, 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 in the, in the game's lore, there's, like, a program that makes babies grow super fast and become big daddies and be fiercely loyal. Oh. And you're, like, one of them, if I yeah. recall correctly. But okay. I'm not 100% sure on that. 
Yeah, I just remember putting on all the gear towards like the last part, and I was like, "This is weird." Yeah, <laughs> you don't you don't you're not the one with the drill though, which was shitty. You don't get to have the drill until the second game. I never played the second game. The second one's, I think the second one's better. That's interesting because everyone because that wasn't the same studio and all that that people were. Yeah, but I, I always heard it wasn't bad. Just wasn't it didn't match the first one. Well, it didn't match the first one. We're getting down deep in the Bioshock thing, but it didn't. Well, it's match, underwater, very deep in. It the didn't water match the first. So. The thing that, like, I think a lot of people look down on the second game, because the second game actually tried to tell a story. The first one didn't tell a story. It really doesn't. You're just kind of this empty vessel that's being told that. Well, you're getting the story of Rapture and what happened there. You're picking up little audio files and seeing what it used to be like and. And finding out what happened. Yeah, that was that was what made the game. I think when people praise Bioshock's story, what they're really praising is how the story is delivered, or uh, the world building. Yeah, that's what they like. Yeah. Is that in, I loved it in Bioshock and in games like Dark Souls, which I think is probably the best game I've played in at least ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, the all the storytelling is delivered through ambiance. It's not it's not handed to you. You have to yeah. put it together yourself. You have to hold your torch to the wall and read the pictograms. Right. <laughs> and there's not even a prompt to do that. Like you yeah. have to just kind of you look at the world and then you like you have to draw conclusions based on that. Yeah. Like it, which is fun and actually is like that's a good good way to design a game. Like BioShock changed things because it was the one of the first games in a modern era to like do that. But the story they delivered was not very good. It was sort of just like here's an interesting idea delivered in a in a pleasant way. Um, that was what was cool about Bioshock 2. It was like, here is an actual story being told that is still has the same level of world building, but you also already kind of know what the world is. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to play it. I never got to. It had, I mean, like, it had big shoes to fill. Big big daddy shoes. Yeah. I think I still think Bioshock 2 was a superior game what, to win. What do you Where do you rank Infinite? Because I loved Infinite. Infinite, I think. I think Infinite and, and 2 are tied for me. Okay. I, I mean, I really liked I like Infinite. I liked Infinite's story with Elizabeth and just the crazy. It was. It's one of those things that's like, at the end, you're you're sort of just, what is real and does everything matter and like this happened this way that way over here and then it, it's just this endless loop of things happening and. I think uh, I remember I saw someone like, the way Infinite works is if you play the DLC then you understand the story. But if you just play Infinite on its own, it ends up being kind of like like on purpose convoluted. Which is interesting because the the problem with the first game and the problem the problem with the first game and the problem with the second game is like rectified in the third because that one has really interesting world building but also has like a story in it. The third one? Yeah. yeah. And the story in the third one is like identical to the story in the second one. Oh, okay. like in terms are those of, twins in the second one? What the twins? The weird like uh uh no, but the story it's basically like uh you're you're um you're a parent going after a child, mm. trying to rescue a child. That's the premise of Bioshock Two: is you're a parent tra- res- trying to rescue a child. It's the same thing in, in three, and the same you, thing in one. Well, because you find out isn't uh, what's his name? He's Elizabeth's father, sort of. Like he's the young version of Andrew Ryan, not Andrew Ryan, but Comstock. He's Isn't, the no the the. It's like the the you are Comstock. 
if he you, didn't do the evil stuff. No, no, no. You are com. It's after. So the basic premise is the the person who becomes either Comstock or Booker is uh, he was a member of the Seventh Cavalry, which wiped out a bunch of I That's, think it was the Sioux people. Yeah, there's like that whole creepy part where you're in that weird. Uh, you're at a river. No, no, but also uh, there's like a level in the game where there's a like a museum set up and you walk oh, through it. Oh, the propaganda museum. Yeah. Yeah, and there's it shows like oh, he battled the Native Americans and he battled the uh the Chinese, which didn't happen in real life, but the it's basically there's a moment in that guy's life where he decides, okay, am I going to try to live with my choices or am I going to be saved and baptized and become, I guess, Christian or whatever. I think it's Christian cuz it's in a river. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, being baptized is <laughs> yeah, what's happening. But it's like in the the character that you play as, he chose not to. He didn't get baptized. Comstock is if you did get baptized. So, so he, he just sort baptized. of forgets and he becomes this idealistic... Uh, no, he remembers. He knows who he is. Okay, But he, he becomes that sort of dictator guy that yeah. makes his own world. Yeah, yeah, by by the by the virtue of that one choice that he believes there's a plan for everything and that there's holiness and whatever. Yeah. Um it's kind of a it's like okay, that's sort of a leap that that's all it took was to make one guy the other guy. Yeah. But it's still like a good story in terms of, you know. It has some great twists like, "Oh, I didn't think." And then when they explain Elizabeth's finger getting chopped off in the thing, like that was all very cool. Yeah, and they I mean, when you play the game again, it makes more sense, which I think is actually really nice because when you play the game the first time, you're sort of just you, you don't notice the things that you notice the second time. There's one part in BioShock Infinite where you walk into an area and one of the twins is like, "Flip this coin." And you flip the coin and it's heads. And they're like, oh, heads. And then they mark it. And you notice he's wearing a uh, like a sandwich board over him. And on one side, it's like hundreds of tallies that say heads. And then when he turns around on the back, there's hundreds of tallies that say heads. And there's no tallies that say tails. And when you play through it the second time, you're like, oh, you've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cycles. Oh, but they're somehow a constant, those people. Like, they don't... They, they absorb... I mean, they reflect all the times that have happened, even though every time you do it, it should be the first time for you, right? Yeah, every time you do it, it's the first time for you. And but that's, somehow they're there every time. Yeah, that whole thing. Like, I think it's sort of like the whole premise of the game is they're doing an experiment. Yeah. And uh, the experiment has repercussions, but that's all it is. Is they're just This is what happens when someone is brought into a world they make. Because that was the other thing that was cool about Infinite was... Uh, the name actually makes a lot of sense now that I'm thinking about it. I never thought about why. Oh, infinite. Like, these are just yeah, infinite. Every, every, like, that's why the end of the game is what it is, where you see the lighthouse and you see hundreds of different versions of Booker and hundreds yeah. of different versions of Elizabeth, but they're all sort of the same. Mm-hmm. One thing I, th- I remember, like, is the start of the game, you get this message, like, bring us the girl, wipe away the debt. Uh, like, you think, like, oh, that makes sense. Like, so you as the player go, I'm a bounty hunter. I got to rescue the girl. I clearly owe money. I live in a shitty office. But really, what that's in reference to is bring us the girl that was Comstock telling you to bring him the girl so you wouldn't feel so guilty. But we, the player, fill in, I'm clearly a bounty hunter because I'm awesome and I'm playing a video game. Even though in the game, that message has a very different meaning. And when you play through it again, it makes more sense. Yeah, I need to play it again, I guess. I never played the DLC either, which I heard was some of the best 
yeah. DLC ever. Yeah, I think it got dinged because oh, no. its gameplay wasn't very good, but the story oh. was supposed to be like it. It finishes Bioshock as like a trilogy. It mm. makes it all consistent with itself. Yeah, because Bioshock Infinite ends with you going to Rapture for a little bit, and then you go, uh, and then you go back to the river, and you don't come up. Hmm. Which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what you've been doing. Yeah. Let's plays. Let's plays. We've been doing it sort of also, but yeah. Um, I went to, I was going to talk about the San Diego thing, but whatever. We we're already 20 minutes in. Yeah. We're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I went to Arcata this last week with Alfonso Portella and Jason B. And that was pretty fun. It's like, it's not as far. It's, it's, it's only like five and a half hours. Really? To get to Arcata? Yeah, maybe maybe it's like almost six hours, I think. But it, I don't know, it feels long, but it also didn't. I had to drive both ways because, of course, I have the good car and stick shift, so no one can ever drive it. Yeah. And also, like, well, you have the nice car, so, uh, yeah, so. But it was fun. It was worth it. Like, we, uh, the show, like, they were they were really cool to hang out with. And uh, we stayed at this comic, Ivy, her name's Ivy Vasquez. And she just, I guess she lets lots of comics just stay at her house. They have, like, a bunch of uh, air mattresses and couches. Oh, yeah. And she, like, made us this, like, salad and salmon. It was, like, a really healthy, uh, tasty dinner. Yeah. Arcade is a, a cool spot for the most part. Like, yeah. I've had I've had good experiences up there. It's, it's a little depressing. All the buildings just are old. It's got that Pacific Northwesty like, raininess, and there's a lot of, like, vagranty homeless kind of people <laughs> yeah that's sort of like i mean but you know it was like santa cruz but drearier yeah it's a, that's a good way to describe it and santa cruz is pretty dreary it was actually pretty funny when we were leaving the show so we went to this place called the jam this is the savage henry guys put the show on uh chris i forget his last name right now but i did they had a podcast we did the next morning it was called uh naughty by no wait what was it called Oh man, it was like it's like a conspiracy theory podcast. It's about like aliens and ghosts and all that kind of stuff. Okay, uh, I don't know. I can look up what it's called. But yeah, we did the show. It was great. They had they were nice. Everyone was like f- like the audience was fun to be around or right. to do the show for. And I um, then yeah, when we were leaving, there was uh, these like these dudes that were sitting on the ground outside of like a shop, and they had. They were playing magic cards. They were like homeless guys that were playing magic cards. It was so weird. Oh well, man, what are you gonna do if you're if you're homeless is but play magic? I get, yeah, I guess that's an extra thing to it cost. More. I think magic cards. Well, magic cards are cheaper than cigarettes, and you just collect them. You build them up. We were walking by, and they were like, "Hey, we're nerds. You want to nerd out with us?" And I was like, "Like it was the first time a homeless person asked me for anything besides money, yeah, or food." <laughs> yeah, she just <laughs> we just bro out, you know, we'll just sit down here, play some magic, jerk off, you know, just hang out, just really bro out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the podcast was called Illuminati by Nature. I like that. Yeah, that's creative. Yeah, it was actually it was pretty fun. It was, we none of us had really any good ghost stories. Yeah, <laughs> so we were all like, I don't know what we're gonna talk about. Jason didn't really say anything most of the time. Yeah. And uh, Alfonso had, like, gone ghost hunting before with his friends. And then I was telling the story about uh, my ex-girlfriend person lady and how she saw ghosts in my apartment, but I had never seen them. Yeah. So that was it, – it worked out, and then they just – we just talked kind of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so that was a fun trip. It was worth it. I'm gonna, I'll go back someday probably. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's what we've been doing, I guess. That's cool. <laughs> fucking yeah 
it's New Year's not sucky. Yeah, it's, just, it's been so dreary. It's been dreary lately. I feel like my yeah, I've been having weird creative uh, issues. I feel like I've I just keep like I feel like I've written some good ideas and then they work and then they stop working after a few sets and I don't know what's going on with that. It's like delivery problems or something. Right. Like today I I had a weird set, and then you were saying like I I couldn't perceive what I was doing wrong. I mean, I kind of felt like I'm not all here, um, but I. I've been doing this thing where I apologize during my set a lot or I ask questions or I give like a commentary. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm doing that. I really don't understand. And I can't seem to make myself stop. Like I always forget to not do it. Right. And that's got to, you got to get, you really got to like be vigilant about it. Yeah. Like slow down the, slow down, slow down how fast you talk or something. Yeah. I, well, I thought I was trying to do that tonight, but then I would speed up again and then I would, it's almost like I know that it's not going to work, and then it doesn't, instead of knowing that it's going to work. But sometimes when I know it's going to work, it doesn't work, and then that's really confusing. Yeah, that's almost like, well, I don't know. Every time I do a joke, I always assume it's not going to work. Mm. I just accept it. There's a good chance this won't work, because... People suck. Yeah, because why... <laughs> I mean, like, it sounds weird, but when you do comedy, there's a vibe of, like, why would this work? Like, yeah. I've actually... Um, I have a book... On on how on joke structure, yeah, called uh, it's called What Are You Laughing At? It's written by Dan O'Shannon, who uh, he was like the lead writer for Cheers and Modern Family, I think, and a bunch of other stuff. I guess you have to trust him. Yeah, well, I mean, like, <laughs> no one's. Uh, it's the first book I've ever read about comedy that wasn't trying to tell you here's here's what you here's what you need to do in order to write a joke. He doesn't do that. He doesn't tell you what you need to do. He's like, here's what seems to be happening when you tell a joke, which was a very interesting tactic to take because then you could just apply it. Mm. But basically when you tell a joke, um, the factors that go into making that joke effective, there are so many things that can make a joke fail. Yeah. That the idea that it could succeed at all is preposterous. It's just, just statistically. Yeah. Cause, uh, I think it was like how the speaker feels or how the speaker delivers it that's just part of it yeah it's a lot of like who the audience is what happened to them today how do they feel about you how do they feel about the show how's the temperature how's uh the lighting how's how you're speaking how's the lighting how's the sound system how's their seats how are their seats yeah who are who did they come here with Mm -hmm. why are they here are they here just to be entertained are they here to see someone specific are they trying to forget something awful that happened to them recently right yeah, so it's insane how many things and when could you, be going when on. When you yeah. think about all that stuff, I mean, you can't account for most of it. But then you realize I can't account for most of it. But that's the stuff that's going to ruin the joke. The stuff that I can account for, uh, how I say it, and what you're saying, and what I'm saying. It's all you. You can only account for yourself. Yeah, I'll, which I'll, is what I fucked up tonight. Yeah. So all I can account for is what I'm saying and how I say it. Mm-hmm. The the factors that go into whether they like it are are too many to count, which means that that any time a joke actually succeeds is genuinely surprising. Like I I actually I am surprised. I do jokes. I have a set that I don't change. It's the same five minutes. I've done it for a couple of months now. Yeah, and it always works. And every time I'm surprised. <laughs> Every, I don't know every, if I want to have that kind of viewpoint or like point of view, like feeling when I go up there. I don't know. I'm not sure. 
for a while I felt pretty confident, like this is how I want to feel, and this is what I want to, the mood I want to be in. Right. And you're not always in the mood you want to be in, but you could try to re get in there. But I lately I've just had, I don't know, like I'll have a good set. Like the Arcada show was great. I had a I had a really good set for what the room was. Right. I know that because I watched the other comics, you know. Uh-huh. But and then the Webathon show I did okay. Not everything hit, but I'm like, well, I have a lot of weird things. Like, I'll go from space to sex jokes to, I don't know, yeah. bullshit. Like, you've been very, like, you have Harry Potter jokes, which everyone likes and gets. You have animal jokes. Everyone knows what animals are. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> but if I'm talking about atoms, I did my atom joke tonight, and I think I just said it weird. It's, yeah, it's just. Oh. It might be the idea. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. It sucks when you're trying to write. I had this weird thing. I was like, I'm going to write space and science jokes right now. And I want to get back to it. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and write jokes. I don't know. and But that's not accessible to everyone. Right. And the hard part is to make it accessible to everyone. Right. And sometimes I can do it. Like the perspective joke works because it's about my dick being small. Well, that's a, well, that's a dick joke that has science in it. Yeah. Where, totally. Yeah. And then the Adam joke is like a sadness joke. But it's... If you, uh, I just didn't. I know. I, I know. I fucked it up tonight. I could tell when I was doing it that I did it wrong. What I should have done that I had an inkling to do was I was going to open with the might be gay joke. Yeah. Which is like a a pretty much a hitter most of the time. Yeah. And just see what happens after I do that with other stuff. Like just try to follow it with weird my weird ideas that I'm trying to make work. Right. Right. I don't know. That's the way to do it. So yeah. Something that that always works. Mm-hmm. I I open most sets lately with the moth joke. Mm-hmm. Just it's a good temperature reader of how are they going to respond to everything else, because it's absurd, but it fit, it's like the rest of your set is similar to that. Well, the I mean, like what I do is I'll tell that joke. I won't. Even, I'll I'll tell that joke. I won't even take the mic out of the stand. I'll tell that joke first, and I'll just look around, mm-hmm. and I'll gauge how long it takes for them to get it, because they always get it. But if they take a little bit of time, then I'm like, oh, this is going to be hard. And I have to be slow. Because <laughs> they're slow. Yeah, if that makes sense. By the way, is this video on YouTube? Of of what? Like, can you watch these jokes on YouTube if someone's listening and they don't know what we're talking about? Uh, I think my video is on YouTube. Or is it, do you have it unlisted or is it listed? I think it's unlisted. I, oh, okay. Because, I mean, like, I don't need anyone to see it. I don't, like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm nobody. But I mean, like, <laughs> I can give the link. We can put it in the description of this if we want. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying because people might be curious. We're just saying moth joke might be gay joke. Yeah, like I, I Google mean, our names and find us on. Well, YouTube. I, that's the thing. Like you can't. Like my videos enlisted. The only yeah. the only times the link I like I I have it up just in case I have to submit to something. Yeah. So when I see there's a view on it, I'm like someone's I something I submitted to. They watch the video. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like. I do that joke first in order to just feel out what happens in the room. Like, that's what happened today. Like, I did that joke first, and I'm like, oh, that took about 30 sec, like 20 seconds hmm. for them to laugh. Because they all laughed, but it took 20 seconds. So I was like, all right. Did you get yeah, sort of like slow. one or two, and then they broke out into more? I or? got like two people, and then the whole room started laughing. And I was like, okay, that's what this is going to be like. So then I knew, like, I had to. Like, there were some jokes I told where. I was like, if I just don't talk for a while, this will work. And it did. Mm-hmm. And that happened a lot during that set. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are, those are harder things to, 
Those are the things you don't think about when you're doing when you're going to try stand up. You're just worried about what you're going to say, and yeah. you have to learn those weird skills of playing the crowd, which I'm still really bad at sometimes. That's what, dude. That's why I took a year to just tell stories on stage. I don't do that anymore. But uh, oh, there, was yeah. a, there was a whole year, maybe even longer, where all I would do is I would go up, I would tell a five minute story. Yeah. And uh, most of the time it did well, but a lot of time it didn't. And what was interesting is you, when you do stuff like that, like when you have a whole set devoted to one punchline, mm-hmm. like that's actually a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what Bill Burr did in his new special. I feel like, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that was just set up and then he didn't finish a lot of his thoughts. Yep. Did you watch it? I saw part of it. The, it it was really unfinished for what Bill Burr is. I was very surprised. Yeah, he's getting he's getting up there in years where it's like it's hard to it's hard to keep keep. Well, he's a, he's a busy dude, from what I understand. Yeah, I don't know. I just I saw one of the bits in a like on a video somewhere. Like I saved the link because someone was like, "This is a funny one where he he tells the PC crowd to not be PC." Yeah, and it really wasn't even that. He just kind of like scolded them because they weren't laughing a lot. And but he did a bit from his new special in that set, but it was more finished. Yeah, it was like he took part of it out and changed it. And I was like, "What are you doing?" I don't well, know. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, at this point, I mean, he's Bill Burr. I mean, he's he's gonna be fine. Yeah, but, I just it's disappointing yeah. to see a special that's kind of feels half baked when he's had over a year maybe to do it. I mean, yeah. what have you? Been doing? What's weird is you know what I had the same feeling. I saw Gerard's special, mm-hmm. and I hated it. The one though at the store. Yeah, I hated it. I hated that Comedy special. Store. I fucking hated it. I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I know. I loathed that special just because every asp. I, I think are we t- uh, it's you're looking at the Notebook a lot, right? I don't think so. There was, was there a, another one. Yeah, there's a special he did. I think it was on HBO. But there was one where he's at the store, and he's telling his jokes out of his notebook, and I hated that special. I don't remember I that part. That spe- no, he did it. It was if you don't remember it, you were not talking about the same one. Okay. He has a different one then. Because the one that I'm watching is he did that special the way he approaches comedy, which is I'm always going to be trying. I'm always going to be working on something. So we did it on mm-hmm. a special. And I remember watching it and I was like, this is fucking terrible. I like the idea of that, but I don't think it's good when you're when you're doing a special. You need It's supposed to be tight and delivered. Right. And it's supposed to be entertainment. You should be able to turn it on what, and, what was and, it? and well, have fun. Well, here's the thing. like I hated that special, but I like Gerard. Yeah, and then later when I heard him talking about his approach to that special, I was like, "Oh, it makes more sense now. It's not any better, but it makes more sense." You understand the artistic. I like, yeah, he has. like I love Gerard, like as a dude, I love his work ethic, and I think he's fucking hilarious. You guys hang out all the time. You yeah, love him yeah. as a person. I would, I would love to hang out <laughs> with Gerard. I think we get along, <laughs> probably. But I, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like that special, like. If that's the way you're introduced, because that's how I, that was how the first time I think I ever saw him. Mm. Someone was telling me like you should check out Gerard Carmichael. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I watched that special and I was like, fuck Gerard Carmichael, this is awful. <laughs> and then I heard him on a podcast, and I was like, oh, he's cool. He yeah. gets. He, I was like, I was like, no, he he gets it. He understands how comedy works and yeah, I liked it. But like, back to what we were talking about, I would do like a for like literally a year. I would just do jokes where it was. Uh, yeah, I remember. I mean, you had a lot of story kind of, and then you also just did like, I feel like I don't know. I want to. I don't want to call it edgy to like minimalize, but it was. It just felt like you were trying to push the buttons of the audience. Like, how gross and weird can I be? Can I say this word that's a incendiary or this incendiary topic? Like, like what? 
like I don't know you talked about your girlfriend's cornflake titties. That was way before this. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was different. Are you talking about when you developed the drunk driving story? Yeah, that that period. What other time. stories did you I can't remember right now. Drunk driving story. I had a f- story that was about how my girlfriend and I broke up and the two the two women that I went out with both times I ch- I got scared of uh trying to make out with them <laughs> because right before we started making out they would start crying. Really? Oh yeah, I think I remember this. That happened twice. And uh, maybe I'm mean, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit, but Did it you was... take it as a sign that you should only be with Holly? <sighs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean I'm I mean I'm embellishing a little bit what happened in the story, but it was yeah. like I remember it. I remember it so clearly because I was like, I want to make out with these chicks, and at the same time, I was like, and I could totally go for it, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. Uh, this is. I was like, this is something about it made me like, I can't be that dude. Yeah. Who could be? Oh, just whatever. But so there's that story. <laughs> there's the drunk driving story. There's a story about the cats. The, the, yes, I remember that. The cat story. The herpes. Yeah, cat the cat herpes, herpes story. Um, yeah. there was another one. It was like the same time that John Gamora switched up his style yeah, and was trying all like his weird, which works way really well now, but for a while it was like, I remember that time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cause I remember, Oh, it was, um, that was like early in your comic book store show. Like the, the first, the few first, shows. the first comic book store show was the first night that his style ever worked. Yeah. Cause I remember it was that's like, a great audience though that, well, yeah, but no, after that, it was like a turning point. Like he started doing really well all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. I think, Oh, the, um, I had a story where a dude talked to me at a show and I thought he was propositioning me for sex. Yeah. Oh my God. There was that story. Like if you add up all the stories, it's like 40 minutes. It's good. They're long. Did you get them? Did you get, I mean, you still tell the drunk driving one sometimes. I paired the drunk driving down one. A lot. And yeah. actually, that one is an example of, like, what I learned in the meantime is it's, like, I can get at the heart of the story in far less time. I think I think what I used to do was I would make jokes and then not want to cut out the fat because I wanted to have the time. And it's hard to let go and just go, no, yeah. this is only supposed to be a minute, even though you want it to be four. Yeah, that I learned that. But also I learned, like, sometimes I, I learned that doing the stories, what you figure out is you sometimes need it to be quiet mm-hmm. and you need to be okay with it being really quiet. Yeah. Because like bathe in the silence kind of. Yeah. I think that's a thing that when you're, when you're learning how to do comedy, like you don't learn that right away because it's so opposite of what you want to have happen. Yeah. Cause you want it to be like constant laughter. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what you want, but that's not realistic. And, uh, I mean, if you pay attention to what, like, the big guys say about comedy, like, they say shit like that all the time. Like, Richard Pryor has that quote, like, don't try to be funny and just try to be interesting. Mm-hmm. What he's saying there is not that interesting is funny. He's saying that interesting is interesting and funny just kind of happens. As long as you're interesting, it's okay if it's quiet. Also, sort of that you should start at interesting because... That's better than nothing, probably. Yeah. If, it, if you're yeah. just trying to be funny and it's not funny, then there's nothing. If it's just fluff, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So, like, that for that full year, I would do sets where I was just like, oh, I'm going to, this is not going to work. Yeah. But then I realized, like, it is working. It's just not working with laughs. 
mm-hmm. and I have to be okay that it's quiet. So now when I do a joke, if I have to wait, I'm okay with waiting. Yeah. Because I know, like, if I just hold out, a laugh will come because it, that, I just know it will. But then again, I'm surprised when it happens, too, because, you know, fucking comedy's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> never works right. I, I need to do what you're doing, probably, and set up, like, a five-minute set that I just do. But, it, the, like, because I have this battle of I want to add time and build up more material and have more stuff that works. But then what happens is I'm constantly rearranging my set list, and I have no idea what the best way to say it is. Like, where, what to go from this to this to this. And for a while, I had this set list where it was, like, the Xena poster joke. And then I'd be like, oh, I don't have a poster, but I have a girlfriend, and we're having a baby. And I'd do the Vegas joke. Right. Then I would be like, we're not having a baby, but my girlfriend's weird. And then do No Shave November, butt sex. And then be like, oh, but we broke up. And then now I could put ghosting in there. Yeah. And then after that, I could do, like, dick pics and all those things. Yeah. But I don't do that. Like, I'll just go... Well, I'm going to open with the Wii joke and then see if I can do the new red flag joke. And, and yeah, the red flag joke, it almost works way better when a lesbian introduced me on stage, like when Melissa, like, you know, because then I can say, like, it was that person. Yeah, she did it, yeah. Which it was her, like, we weren't, I wasn't actually asking her out, but yeah. the, the joke came from talking with her, you know. I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, like, trying finding an order is really hard, especially when it's like you have a lot. Yeah, I think I have this mistaken thing that all these jokes should work in whatever order I want them to. Well, they should. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's true. I think that there's nothing wrong with having an optimal, These this leads to that, that leads to this. It's like, because there's a lot of jokes where I have a girlfriend, and then there's a lot of jokes that are about dating, and I can't do a girlfriend joke, then a dating joke, then a girlfriend joke, then a dating joke, unless I frame it differently. Well, I mean, like, I think... Uh, a part of me is like when you do a set, like you should do it and it should be consistent. Like what you're talking about for a little, at least a little while. Yeah. So it's like the Harry Potter joke. That joke is, that's a bit. Yeah. That's a bit. It's like three minutes. Uh huh. If I do that, then I have time for one thing, one other thing, yeah. maybe like one joke, a few animal jokes or something, one or two. Yeah. But if I do the Harry Potter joke, I actually don't. You know what is weird? On Friday, because we just did the Sacramento Comedy Spots Webathon, mm-hmm. I did the full joke, which is another. So it's the Harry Potter part is two minutes, and then there's another part after that that's two more minutes, that also works. So it was you like, had a really good set that night. You probably had the yeah. best set of the night besides Shahara. Yeah, Shahara. Melissa sure. had a really good one too. Yeah, but she opened, so like maybe they were. But she did great. Yeah, yeah. It was I, a, you and Shahara, I feel like I remember had the best sets. We were we were in the sweet spot. Yeah, we were like right like an hour in. Like mm-hmm. It was pretty good. But I remember like, like backstage, I I realized I forgot the half of the joke I did that I used to do. Oh yeah. And I remembered it, and I went and I I did it, and I was like, this is far longer than what I remember. And I was like, which oh. part was the part you forgot? Uh, the tattoo part. There's a part after the uh, after the that Harry... has to do with Harry Potter though. Yeah, they build off each other. It's the same idea, because the whole the Harry Potter joke is whole is entirely predicated on I don't think I'm cool. Oh, so but it's not about Harry Potter. It's about okay, I get it. Yeah, but it's like that whole that's all one thing, mm-hmm. and I would just stop it after the last Harry Potter punchline because I I remember like I want more time and that part just works. So I don't need to worry about it. 
and I did it on Friday, and I was like, that is four minutes. I can't if I do that joke, I can't do anything else, which is weird. But it's also like if I want to do something new, I can do that, and then that one joke, and then I can just do whatever. And yeah. be able to to judge it well. Because if that joke doesn't work, I'm I'm of the mindset then like, well then it doesn't matter what I do. And if it does work, it's like now I can really accurately gauge what happens. Yeah. If that sort of makes sense. I think it, is, so. it is a good ratio. Yeah. I don't I mean you just pick one I mean you just need one joke that works. Yeah, I know. Well, I think the mistake I made today was I wasn't feeling in the comedy spirit or mood. And and then I did a bunch of material that I'm not 100% confident in yet. Yeah. And what would have worked better is if I had opened with something I'm confident in. Yeah. Such as the might be gay joke, which I don't know. I've always been interested. I don't do it very often, but I, I like the idea of opening with that joke because it's like a strong one. And then to try to follow it. Like I've done it before where I did it first and then people were like, why didn't you end with that one? That was the best one. And I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, because I just wanted to fuck around. Because I'm interested, but I think tonight it would have been good because it would have been like, oh, that's funny and it's the whole thing, and then then is I that, could have gone into the, the weird um... Xbox thing. Oh right, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I remember that one. That's my oldest joke. I wrote that. I mean, it wasn't in the form it is today, but that idea of someone calling me gay on Xbox and then they tell me to suck their dick or whatever. Yeah, that you make that a joke. Before I even did stand up, I was like. Oh, I wrote like a whole three pages about that. Yeah, and then I just was. I did it forever and then mike patton one day i think i think it was mike patton he came up and he was like what if you did this and then i did the Cobb showcase once with raj dutta uh-huh. and on stage i just thought of that part where i'm like and he had a point do you remember do you yeah remember i remember that, that right? then and that was like a weird like that was like the first time i wrote on stage and was like oh i gotta keep that yeah and then then i thought of what did else did i Oh, and then I saw I did I the warm armpit flavor popsicle. I just one day I was like, "What is sucking a dick like?" Probably because I've never actually done it. Right. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, it's probably a warm. It's like an armpit. It's warm. It's a dick, and it's kind of shaped like a popsicle." And it just came together, and now it's, yeah. uh, people that's, love that line. A, yeah, it's a good line. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, I would just. I mean, if that joke always, if that joke consistently works, I would just do that joke first every time and then just do whatever after it. So worry less about closing? Yeah. Who cares? So mm-hmm. I mean, I only care about closing if I know it's a show. Yeah. If I have to do a open mic, it's just like I have to have one joke do well so I have a baseline. Mm-hmm. And then once that, if that joke does well, then I can do something, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And then I'll know if, if it works or if it doesn't. Yeah, I've heard both sides of it. Like, do you want to open with something that works so that they like you and or they're into you or they're you could gauge them, whatever the reason is, and then you do, like, the newer stuff. But then I've also heard the argument of you want to see if this thing just works on its own immediately. So just throwing it out there right away is kind of – I mean, there's, like, two schools of thought there. Yeah, I mean, I'm of that second school a little bit. Yeah. But I think it's not. I don't only, think it hurts to do that once no, in a while. But that's only. I feel like that only matters if you go first. Mm-hmm. If you go, if you take bullet, then then, then it makes do, it makes sense to open with something completely new, because mm. it's the freshest thing. They have absolutely no opinion on anything that's happening. Yeah. Yet. And, and then you really get an honest like, is this funny? 
Yeah. Or not. But then like that but if it's like you're like if you're like the sixth or seventh person onward, then it's just like, well, now part of the job is I have to kind of overcome what they've seen so far cuz it's been a while. Yeah. And and that in that sense like doing something that I'm not confident in if it doesn't get a laugh that's going to throw off everything I'm doing. It's going to throw off how I interpret everything I'm doing. Yeah, which is what happened to me, I think. Yeah. Even though I was second or I was I was technically third cuz there was a host and then right. Alfonso and then me. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough to follow Alfonso though. Well, he I mean, I found he didn't get quite the laughs he usually gets, but I think that's cuz he was second. Yeah, no, he well, yeah. Some of the jokes. No, I mean, he, uh, was, he did He had... was yeah, he was second after your Joey. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, but he's like it's hard. I mean, following Alfonso is sort of good, but it's also like it's tough to follow him because you know cuz he hits really hard. So, following him means like, oh, I have to find a way to hit as as hard as he does. Yeah. I was basically kind of like a wet blanket up there like Here's my jokes. I hope you like them. Yeah. I tried to bring en- I thought I was bringing energy to it also. When I did the weed joke, I thought I was giving energy to it and they just weren't. But I said I noticed I was saying part of it weird. I was going like uh but if the roof if the roof is on fire, we don't need any water. We could just let it burn. I didn't say it quite like that. I said it I said roof once instead of I think you need to be like the roof the roof is on fire. Like that's how the song is. Right. So I feel like I need to do it that way where I say, well, part of that thing was like that. It took a long time to get there. And that joke is sort of like, cause you had the rhetorical question part of it. Yeah. And then there was a lot of explanation. I have to talk about my feelings on weed, but I've done that, that all that before and it killed. So it just depends on I, I how mean, I do you it. You can just pare it down and just be like, I smoke weed before I go to sleep, which is a problem. Because, you know, what happens if I have to wake up and it's an emergency? But see, are you... Because my, my thought is the part at the end where I'm like, wait, but do you hate me now because I wasn't funny? I I feel like I need to establish paranoia. Or do you think people just know that and they'll I get mean, it? I mean, if they know what weed does... Yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> You're assuming you need to explain how weed works. Well, there's a lot of people haven't smoked it before. Yeah, but that's not the people you're trying to reach. <laughs> well, I'm trying to make all of them laugh, so it is. Uh, well, then you can explain that. But I feel like you should try it shorter than longer. Yeah, I mean, I could try it that way. I mean, like, if, like, uh, do you, like the. You could just say like, uh, I smoke when I smoke weed, I get paranoid, but that's okay because I normally only smoke weed to fall asleep. That's good. Yeah, I need to write that down now. Yeah, <laughs> talk, and I will write. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I find a. Uh, I find most problems with most jokes is just there's too many words. Oh, yeah, totally. More often than not. Like, when I have a joke that's not working, I try to see, like, do are there more words in this than there need to be? And it, typically it's the case. Which is, I don't know. It's interesting because then you start thinking, like, how much can you actually cut away from a joke until it's not a joke anymore? Turns well, out it's a lot. Yeah. There's a ton. Wait, so when I smoke weed, I always get paranoid. But that's okay, because I usually only smoke weed to fall asleep. It's the whole idea of the joke. Like in seven or eight words. No, maybe more than that. But uh, but that's okay, because I really only smoke weed to fall asleep. Yeah. Cool. Okay. 
And then you just like get I have this irrational fear that one day I will go to sleep an hour into my, and then an hour into my sleep someone will wake me up and I'll be super high and they'll be like, Luke, we have to get out of here. The house is on fire. Because I'm high, I'll be like, well, which part? I'll be like, wait, 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 what? And I'll be like, the house is on fire. I'll be like, wait, 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 which part of the house is on fire? I feel like I need to just do it right because I know all those things hit. Like that part hits because mm-hmm. it's like funny to like he's high and he's asking which part. Who cares? Get out of there. Yeah. And then like, wait, wait, wait. I don't care. It doesn't matter. We have to go. Wait, wait, because because if it's the roof and the roof is on fire. We don't need any water. We could just let it burn. And then I'm just like, what? And you're like, ha. And they're like, dude, we got to go. And then you're like, oh, do you hate me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good, the ha. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's norm- like, I don't know. Talking talking deep in the cuts about comedy is, is a weird thing I found lately. I really wanted to do this, though. It's part of the reason I wanted to podcast tonight, because I needed to, like, talk about that. Right. Because it, it, it was, like, really <laughs> fucking me up. I went up to everyone afterwards and was like, I feel so shitty. And they're like, dude, don't worry about it. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just, I've but been yeah, really I self-conscious mean, about my comedy lately. I don't know why. A lot of, I mean, like, I go to, it's interesting. I go to that, I go to that open mic every other week because I'm going to SF on the, every, every, every other other week. We are. Yes, we are doing that. But uh, what I noticed is I started seeing what, like when you start looking at what what newer comics do, and you start recognizing what the mistakes are, mm. then you start realizing why you don't do those things, like uh, like rhetorical questions. I've grown to really hate those. <laughs> yeah. Like I think I need to stop doing those. Like when together. like when a com- when I hear a comic do a rhetorical question, I know like that is filler. There is no reason for you to ask that. Unless it's like an absurd one where the it's such a weird thing that it's funny. Then well, it yeah, works. but the absurdity, like the it's never absurd though. Like it's like when it's absurd, it's a one-liner. Like when it's an absurd rhetorical question, it's a one-liner. But it's never an absurd rhetorical question. It's normally just a rhetorical question. Well, okay, with like, my space one, I'm like, do you guys like space? That's rhetorical. Yeah. But it, but I am asking. You can just well. Here's the thing. Does the answer matter? No. Then don't ask it. So then what should so should then I should be should I be like? Cause here's here's one here's one. Guys, if, I like space. If you guys don't like space, you should check it out because it's literally everything else. Like yeah, just, just like say that. that. Okay. I asked a rhetorical question in my set today where the answer was relevant, and I was like, how? And if I said it to you, I was like, how long do you need to watch gay porn oh, yeah. before clicking away isn't homophobic? That actually gets a laugh somehow. Yeah. Because that's a punchline, even though yeah, it's a question. Yeah, it's, it's a question that's a one-liner. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, when someone asks a rhetorical question, it's not that. It really is a rhetorical question. Yeah. And that goes even further to, like, how are you guys doing? I hate when a comic asks that. You know what's funny? I used to hate when people would go, everybody drink it in here? Yeah. That like, gets a good cheer. Fuck yourself. You say, but, you say that to get a cheer. Yeah. And you know what? I hate it, but I also get it. If you're trying to bring energy into your set or your the room, like maybe the last person was quiet or boring or they bombed, yeah, you could like get energy, and then they're like they like you because you said drinking, even though that's stupid. Yeah, I, that's I, okay. But I just I feel like yeah, you're right. I've seen a lot of comics that just go, "Who likes weed? I like getting high," and then like they just talk about how yeah. much they like it for a minute, and yeah. it's not even funny. Eddie Pepitone has a has a special where he he does a whole thing on saying round of applause. Where's his special, where are his specials at? I saw one on Netflix. I think it it was like round of applause. 
He kept. He mm-hmm. said round of applause once. Round of applause for coming out tonight. Round of applause for the Brown Waste Out. And he just kept saying round of applause, but the things he was saying were just getting more and more absurd and dark. And he was like, round of applause if you've given up hope that she's ever going to call back. And he's like, round of applause if you think this hat's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's I think so absurd. The only comics who come up with those bits are the ones who like took forever to get famous or anything. And they're, you know what, because they just seen so much and they're so jaded that that's what they start talking about. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been, he's one of those, he's been doing comedy for such a long time, but he's so good at it. Yeah. And he wasn't, he didn't get recognition until semi-recently, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Well, I mean, like amongst comics, they were like, they loved him. That's the dude. Yeah. He's he's brilliant, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like Brody Stevens. Everyone loves Brody Stevens, but no one knows who he is. Right, I don't even know who he is. Really? <laughs> I've oh never god, heard of Brody yeah, Stevens. you gotta you gotta find it. That guy's great. He's he. The, one of the things about him is he does a lot of local L.A. humor. Oh, okay. So like he he'll say like eight one eight till I die because it's mm-hmm. like the area code down there. Yeah. So <laughs> that's funny. He reference it, but he's so. I'll show you a set if you want after this. Yeah. He's just so weird, and he has such a unique presence on stage. And he, I guess, he's been doing warm up for Conan and other shows for like years. Yeah. So he has this unique ability to really bring energy to a room. I've heard Joe Rogan talk about him where, like, there was a set he did where he was just drumming on something up on stage. There was like three people in the room. He was yeah. the last guy on the show. And he just started drumming, and he just really got them so worked up and into it, and he was funny the whole time. Yeah. He's just like this monster that no one knows about. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually kind of interesting because, like, he's probably got a pretty cool gig, though, because it's like he's got a position where he doesn't need to be known. He makes money from comedy. Yeah. And that's all. If he's happy with that, cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, he gets to... He's got. He gets to go to a crowd every night, and he gets to perform and yeah, do whatever, and it's gonna work. And he also he did a show on Comedy Central that I think Zach Zach Galifianakis Fanakis helped him. Can't say his name right now. Helped him produce or something that he's in it also. And it's like it's sort of like semi. I think it's mostly based on real stuff in his life. He has like anger issues and like right. some mental health stuff. And it's like he hangs out with his mom a lot, and it's just kind of weird and funny. But I think Zach was in the show. That's pretty cool. I didn't see the whole thing, but and you probably find it on their website or whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Comedy is Co- a comedy bitch. Comedy is a thing. I have to go do it, and I I'm gonna try to go tomorrow to Comedy Spot, and Luna's on Tuesday, and then I'll go to Vegas, and hopefully not bomb my dick off in yeah. front of the tourists or whatever. Yeah. I'm a little bit worried that it's gonna be like San Diego was, where no one's there. Yeah, it's comedy. Because I, if no one listening probably knows, I drove to San Diego eight hours to do a show for ten people. I did eight minutes, and then more people showed up halfway through the show because I went up second. It was a contest, and uh, the other people on the show were a lot. A lot of them were funnier than me, but they also got to go up later when the crowd was warmed up and there was more people. Yeah. And then I just drove home in the morning. It was very sad. And then later in the week, our friend Bobby Clubs, Robert Amoto, went there. And he had a show with like fifty, sixty people. Yeah. And then he moved on. He's a great comic too. Oh, he moved on. Yeah, he moved on one, one round, and he got to the semifinals or whatever's before that, maybe. But he moved on one night, and he got to do another That's show. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And so I was just like a little bit jealous, or just kind of the festival. I was just mad that they would do a show on a Monday and like not pack it out, and it's like. 
That's just shitty. Like that happened here with the Sac Comedy Festival two years ago. They had this weird guy running it that didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. And they set up all these shitty shows. They they had these like showcase shows, but they would do them at places that were open mics, and then it ended up just being like the open mic, except you got to do ten instead of five minutes. I remember that. I remember. Um, it was very sad. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I've signed up for the Sacramento festival. It's way know. better now. Yeah. Because now, they, well, they separated it. There's a festival and there's the competition. All right, right, right. The competition happens, I think, in the summer, and I'm pretty sure the festival happens, like, later. Last year, I forgot to sign up for the festival, so I didn't do it. All right. But the competition's fun. Yeah. They do it in one weekend, so all the shows are packed. It's not stupid. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The competition's always a good time. Mm-hmm. Competition, I remember the first time I did the competition... I don't want to talk about it, actually. <laughs> yeah. I have a story Tell about it. Tell me after. I have a story about it, but I'm not going to talk about it because I was a newer comic and, yeah. Yeah. But, uh. It involves names. It does involve names. But yeah. You know. But, you know, comedy mm-hmm. is a weird thing. Yeah. You guys should check it out. It's literally everything now. <laughs> We've been going for an hour. All right. It's, it's, we we meant to talk about Star Wars and Batman, but we'll have to do that later, maybe. Yeah. Uh, But this, I, this is... We're we're gonna start doing different versions of the show, maybe just because I'm gonna put different titles on them in yeah. the same feed. Because I because th- yeah, if we have Melissa on, she can't she doesn't care about the stuff we talk about normally, and I want to have her on, you know. Yeah. So. But that's okay. Yeah. So uh, Jojo, where do we find you on the internet? You find me on Twitter at Bucky Gums uh, and Facebook at JGL Comedy if you like. Uh, but really, just go to Twitter. That's where I'll be. What about your new Let's Play channel? When does that drop? That's going to... I believe I'm going to start releasing in March. Okay. Um, JoJo has fun. Yeah, and it's going to YouTube. Did but you try to make it... Did you get the URL yet? Or You can't get that until you have 100 people uh, subscribing. Really? Yeah. I, I can't believe we have 100 people on Epic Tiki. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, need, I would need 100 people to subscribe, and then I could have the URL. Hmm. Until then, the URL is a bunch of fucking numbers. Yeah, that but, sucks. Yeah. Like it's I can, okay. I can I make mean, a bitly for the time being. No one's going to steal it unless there's an asshole listening to us right yeah, now. Yeah, that'd be weird if someone took the JoJo Has Fun name. I would be very surprised. Yeah. No one has it yet. I've looked up. I've looked it up, and I was like, yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's, there's no way it does. Yeah. Even though it seems simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else? That's it. Okay. Uh, you can find me at Epic Tiki Comedy on Twitter, at Epic Tiki on Instagram, Luke Soyan on Facebook, uh, you can listen to old episodes of the Sexy Podcast. I don't know when we're going to do more of those because JR's becoming very famous probably soon. Yeah. And he moved to L.A. What a uh, dick. What a douche. He should write a joke. <laughs> uh, and then uh, if you're in Las Vegas this week, I will be at the El Cortez Hotel doing a show at 8 p.m., question mark. Uh, and uh, that will be cool. And then, uh, I don't know, I have some other shows. Go to LukeSoyne.com. I have them all there. Yeah. Please subscribe to our podcast, review, tell us, tell people you like it, share it. Go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash epictikicomedy. Uh, watch our Let's Plays where we play Dead Space, Titanfall 2, and our sketches. Uh, I'm working on a new interview video. It's going to be funny. I'm Tom Hardy. It's going to be weird. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. Night. Goodbye. <laughs>